Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. My name is Tara Gleason, MSEC podcast producer, parent-to-parent educator, active-duty military spouse, and parent-to-three military kids. And I'll be your host. Today, we're going to talk about the Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission, or MIC-3. And joining me for the discussion is Dr. Dave Slatek, who was previously the superintendent of Lackland School District and is now the MSEC ex officio member of the Interstate Compact Commission, and also is Sharice Amai, the executive director at MIC-3. Thank you both for talking with us today. Thanks, Tara. It's great to be here. Well, thank you, Tara. Let me start by asking this, Sharice. You're the third executive director of the Interstate Compact. We've had two. The, the, the first two gentlemen had a military background, and you're a little bit different. So would you talk to a little bit about how you got to the compact and what you bring to the organization? Well, um, my background, I came from originally from Hawaii, born and raised. Um, I worked for the Department of Education for about 11 years as a military liaison for the state superintendent. So my, I interfaced there with lots of different military programs, issues, services. But bottom line, we're there to help military schools and, and students and families, um, especially as they transition to Hawaii. So when Hawaii adopted the compact, it was a great opportunity for us to not only re-engage on, um, on what our purpose was in Hawaii, but also to ensure that the programs and supports that were provided were, were good and they were effective. So under the compact, that just emphasized our mission and vision and what we wanted to get done in Hawaii. Um, So working on the program in Hawaii, we launched the compact there in 2009. Um, And then, you know, again, we we strengthened our program. And when the opportunity came to to do it at a national level, it was was a no-brainer, I think, for me. And it was definitely something I was passionate about. So making the move from Hawaii to Kentucky was was very easy and certainly being part of the great organization has been amazing not only because i get to see what hawaii does you know every day but also what all the states are doing every day to support military children and families so again it's been a great opportunity for us to only strengthen the supports but also to grow the program Um, what i bring to the organization i think is my background but also again i've worked with the schools individually at the grassroots level and i think that understanding experience helps me to really talk to schools about what's important. And bottom line is schools are there to support kids and grow no matter what background they have, military, um, you know, civilian, you know, whatever their challenges are, but really about helping the child be successful. So I think that passion and that view really helps me to talk to schools a lot um, more one-on-one and be able to translate what we do for the compact and the commission here on a national level. Excellent. And, and one more thing, you're a parent. I am a parent of a 10-year-old, and, you know, certainly transitioning from Hawaii to Kentucky was different. It was a great experience because I'd always given advice to parents, um, you know, just from knowing how to transition, but to experience it one-on-one was different. 
and gave me a better insight into what families are going through. Um, it's certainly not easy, and my daughter dictated exactly how she was going to um, handle the transition, and she still is after two years. But it's again, it's been a great experience moving to Kentucky. Great. Maybe we ought to, just for the benefit of the audience, talk a little bit about uh, what the compact is and who it applies to. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So the compact is agreement among the 50 states and the District of Columbia and the Department of Defense um, Education Activity Schools um, through a memorandum of agreement. The compact eases the educational challenges that military children and families encounter um, and really supports the uniform treatment as they transfer between school districts um, among member states. It highlights and, areas such as, um, you know, enrollment, placement and attendance, eligibility, um, and, of course, graduation, four areas that are high priorities among military families as they're transferring from school district to school district across the nation. Absolutely. And and who's covered and who isn't covered by the compact? That's a great question because I, I think it's more of who's not who's not covered. Um, all the active duty members from the uniformed services, including the Coast Guard and the National Guard and Reserve as well, if they're on Title 10 or activated orders. We also covered NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the United States Public Health Service. So, Again, most of the active duty or uniform members are covered. We also cover the members and veterans who are medically discharged or retired for a year, as well as those members who, whose parents may per perish on active duty for a period of one year after death. So students not covered under the compact include in inactive members of the National Guard or Reserve, so those that are not on Title X active duty orders, um, members that are now retired but are not covered you know, by the Guard or Reserves, veterans not covered um, and then also Department of Defense personnel, federal agencies, civilians, contract employees are, that are not defined as active duty. Um, the last area is the, or the other members other than the uniform personnel of NOAA and UHPHS. So the, um, only those in uniform are covered. You know, the compact is focused on the key educational transition issues, um, but it only covers students from grades K to 12 in public schools and for the Department of Defense schools, both um, stateside and abroad. So private schools, home schools, parochial schools, you know, Catholic schools, so forth, are not covered. Um, another topic that comes up, are charter schools covered? It depends. If, they're, if they are receiving public funds and they're governed um, in a public entity by the Department of Ed, they're usually um, covered under the compact. But, you know, I know there are certain states that have magnet schools, specialty schools that are not necessarily, they're kind of a hybrid between the private and public. Um, so I would always um, you know, advise families to, to check with their school liaison officer, check with their commissioner if they're transitioning about a particular school and finding out if that, um, that particular school is covered under the compact. So it's pretty comprehensive, and there was a lot of thought um, put into who would be covered under the co compact. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the idea that uh, if a, an active duty member retires or is medically discharged, that the compact still covers for a, a full year because any time a member leaves the service, generally they're not going to stay right where they are when they were when they left the service. They're going to move someplace else, and that transition is another one that's a real important one for the family. 
Absolutely. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the kinds of issues that are covered and, again, what's not covered? Sometimes there's a little confusion there. Sure. And, you know, it's very specific. I want to mention that the compact is very specific in what was covered and included in the rules. Um, there was a advisory team, which I think you were involved with, Dave, and um, Mary Keller from MSEC, um, and a, a, a whole bunch of other folks that were really engaged on military and education. But they selected those four areas that I mentioned earlier, such as enrollment. So, for example, for enrollment, a big part of the compact is with kindergarten and first grade entrance age. As we all know, school districts across the nation, even among states, have different start dates or eligibility dates to enroll for kindergarten. Some are mandatory, some are not mandatory. Some start at five, some of you allow you to start at four. Um, so that's been an issue for military families. So as long as the child has enrolled and attended kindergarten in ascending state, when they go to the new state, say their enrollment age is a little later, um, as long as they've enrolled and attended in the sending state, they can continue attending in that receiving state. And that is one of the reasons why the compact was stood up, was because of that difference in enrollment age. Another area is graduation. You know, one of the things that students have to deal with in high school are different requirements for graduation. Some require 24 credits, some require 30. The way they calculate the credits, it's half year, semester, uh, trimester based. And so one of the things the compact does cover is if a child moves in their junior and senior year is unable to graduate according to the receiving state's requirements, the receiving state can reach back to the sending school and work out a reciprocal diploma. Again, these two areas are highly used with the compact commission and with between states because, you know, starting school and ending school is a big thing for military families. And so being able to continue school and to graduate on time is, is significantly um, one of the provisions that are always used. Boy, I'm not, I, can, I can vouch for that. Um, in my experience, we had kids come in regularly. I, I was at a, in a Texas school system. We had kids come from Nevada, Nellis Air Force Base, where the, uh, the cutoff date for enrollment is about the middle of December. So invariably we'd get young children coming in who'd already started kindergarten. Our cutoff date in Texas was September one and they'd already been attending. And with the compact then we could just say, come right in and continue on. And, and there wasn't a, a hiccup anywhere. And you're right. That, that happens all over the country. Same thing with graduation. We'd have kids. And you, as you know, with military kids there, uh, by the time they get to high school, mom and dad are in more senior positions and the, the tempo of transition seems to increase. And we regularly had students come in uh, during their senior year and uh, we, we had students graduate with diplomas from Tennessee, from the Department of Defense schools, from uh, California schools. It uh, really was easy to, as you say, reach back to that home school figure out what they need to graduate and then make it happen. And it really does make a big difference for kids and for their families because they've got all kinds of plans and this way they don't have to be interrupted. Oh, absolutely, Dave. And, you know, that's the best part about um, the compact. You know, the conversation among states and, and trying to find a solution that's, that works and to help the kids, the child stay on track to graduate or stay in track to, you know, um, be in that particular academy or seek that um, engineering degree or be on target so they can enter college at that perfect time um, when they graduate. 
that's all about um, really being um, open to communication and open to ideas and being creative because often, you know, Board of Education or state policies for graduation or enrollment are very strict. And so schools feel like they have to abide by those rules. And surely that's important because the state's right is education. But this allows that conversation of, and focus to be on the child and trying to figure out what would help them to stay on track, what would help them be successful instead of the rules um, defining them. They're really helping the child to be successful. And that's what all schools want, right? As an educator, Absolutely. you work, that's why you became an educator, not to follow rules, but more to help children and, and be there for them so they could be successful for whatever they want to do in later in their life. Um, but that conversation among states is, is great. I know for the commissioners, for each of the appointed commissioners for every single state, that's the biggest um, value, I think, is being able to contact for families to be able to have a point of contact in each state um, if they have an issue or to help resolve any concerns that they may have or just even if it's not a compact-related issue. We always, you know, encourage our commissioners to help that, um, help that family to get a referral or their other avenues within their state department of ed that could assist them, or perhaps another you know grant program or you know um, class or opportunity that they could seek, even though they would normally not be eligible because of where where what their situation is. So again, the referral the referral opportunities I think for our commissioners are are vast, and I think their knowledge is is great, and so they can make those connections for those families and give them an entree into the next person that could probably assist them or solve that issue. I, you're alluding to, I think, uh, a big part of this whole problem-solving process, and that is the individual commissioners, and then get that, you get down to the school level, school liaison officers from military installations, so that by the time problems filter up to the um, compact, your office, the interstate compact office, you really had a lot of people involved. Could you... Talk about some of the, the kinds of issues that families regularly face and maybe some of the things that, um, that your office has been able to resolve or, um, to benefit kids. Well, I just want to note that for the most part, we just see a portion or receive a portion of the um, amount of discussion about what the compact is or the cases that there are out there. Um, families often contact the school um, first, among and the principal and the superintendent, and then of course the school liaison officer. So, but this, and then the compact commissioner. But by the time it comes to us, it really is a unique case that has to be looked at to see if it does fall under the compact, um, and, or perhaps one of the rules have to be clarified. Um, a majority of the cases we receive are primarily from commissioners. They're inquiring about certain provisions or clarifications of the rules. Um, parents, they're frustrated oftentimes. They've exhausted all of the opportunities that we mentioned earlier with the um, school liaison or perhaps the superintendent or principal, um, and they just want help. And sometimes we are able to redirect um, the parent to help them um, with a certain rule or provision or at least refer them to their com compact commissioner. Um, but it varies. The types of cases we get, the ones we receive here at the national office are often unique. You know, there's a special custody agreement between the deployed parent or perhaps a step-parent, um, and they're trying to find out if the compact will fall under them. Sometimes it's pretty simple. You know, a, a school is unaware of the compact, um, is saying they do not have to abide by the compact or they have their own rules. And then we can connect that parent with the commissioner who can to contact the school district to clarify that there are rules in place to support military families um, and certain accommodations have to be made. Um, 
Some of the cases that we've received recently had to do with a gifted and talented um, child. They moved from one state to another, and in the receiving state, they're supposed to put the child in that gifted program, and then they could actually test them, but they have to roll them first, um, to, and, but they can test them to see if they qualify under that particular school district's rules. So the parent had contacted us about if you know that provision was correct, did she, he or she understand that correctly, and we agreed. What we did was refer them to the compact commissioner. Um, the compact commissioner contacted that particular school district to clarify the information for them, and then the child was put into the gifted and talented program and then tested, and then remained there because the child didn't meet the, the GT standards there. I think one of the other things, and I, I was very pleased to see it, in my experience, there are a number of issues that came up over eligibility for and participation in athletics. And in a lot of places, athletics really don't fall under the state education program. It's a separate organization. But uh, I was pleased to see that the, uh, the compact commissioners, actually the executive director, invited in the head of the uh, high school I, I, I better say activities association because they're, they're the umbrella organization that deals with athletics and other activities that kids get involved with just to make sure that we're thinking about the same things and understanding what military kids are, are um, facing and trying to participate in all these activities. Absolutely. And, you know, for extracurricular activities, you know, that's so important. Um, the National Federation of High Schools, um, Davis Whitfield, he is a member of our commission, and he his position on the commission is vital. He does provide information to the commission about different regulations or how they support military families, but also, you know, it heightens the awareness in those organizations. And while, yes, they are a separate organization and they do have um, rules and regulations, I, I truly believe that having them on the commission and having them have a seat really provides an opportunity for, for dialogue. This past year, we did receive a case on athletics um, from a particular state that we did refer to um, Davis Whitfield and the state commissioner for that particular um, athletics association, and they were able to resolve that particular issue for that child. Um, but, you know, we always caution with families, especially as they move, and I know slows and, and schools do this, but we always ask them to be cognizant of the different regulations, you know, especially if you know your child's going to be playing football or is coming from, um, you know, a football team. You're going into a new district, and you should be aware that if you start, you know, athletics and start playing football for that transition school, that temporary school, it may make an impact should you have to move through the year to your permanent housing. So I know SLOAs and um, school liaison officers and others you know, really emphasize just being knowledgeable. And that's the most difficult part, right, for families, because all the regulations are different. And so you have to do a lot of research on your own. Um, and it's really difficult. But there's those of us that are out there that are here to support them in the transitions. And certainly um, being aware of those different rules and regulations and connecting with your school liaisons are probably the most important thing, especially when it comes to athletics, um, especially when they're in high school and transitioning and they want to make sure that they can use that as an athletic scholarship perhaps for college or the university. I think you've really answered my last question before I asked it, but let me ask it specifically. If a family is in transition, military mm -hmm. family, and they run into a problem that they think might be related to the compact, who should they contact first 
and what kinds of documents or information should they make sure that they've got in hand to help well, get the, everything resolved? First of all, I think the family should be aware of their military school liaison officer. Um, every service has them, and they may not be assigned to that particular base. Most of them have them, but they should contact that person first. That is their point of contact, boots in the ground, that knows about education in that particular area, especially surrounding the base or that particular district. They'll know about private school, public school, home school, and surely about the contact. So that would be my number one recommendation for a family who's transitioning that may have an issue with school or education. The second thing would be if it has to deal with the school already, if they're already enrolled in the school and they're having an issue with the teacher, the registrar, or so forth, I would I always recommend that they talk to the principal, the school administrator, and if not, that person's not available, of course, it's school superintendent. Just as there's a chain of command for the military, there's a chain of command for schools. And most of the time, this principal, especially if they're highly impacted or the superintendent is aware of the compact um, and the provisions and what the schools need to follow. If that is not sufficient, then they can always surely contact the compact commissioner. We have their uh, contact information available on our website, and they're always open and available to answer questions. Either give them a call or you know, email them their concerns. But there's a wealth of folks that can assist them every step of the way. And at any given time, I'm sure these three parties are talking, especially when it comes to resolving a case. The last option I would recommend is to call our office. We, we can give and um, take, take down the information and um, capture the case information, but just know that we would send that directly back to the compact commissioner because that's what they're there for. They're familiar with the schools, the regulations for that particular state, and nuances for policies and, and school obligations. So, again, I think those are great opportunities for them to connect and, and resolve their situation, and all of us are here to help them best support their child. Thanks, Cherise. That's great advice. And I'm glad you mentioned your website because you've got a wealth of information out there. Can you let our parents know what the website is in case they need to take a look to see what all is going on with the Interstate Compact? Yes. Um, our website address is www.mic3.net. Again, thanks for highlighting the website. We have a tremendous amount of information on there, not only for contact information about the Compact Commissioners, but also what the rules and regulations are. We also have a parent FAQ that can help you. And if you're a parent, you can always order a guide or brochure from us. That's also available that will describe in, in layman's terms, in simple terms, what the compact is, what it covers, and who you should contact. Well, thanks again, Sharice. We really appreciate you taking time to talk about the compact and to give information to these military parents that listen to our podcast with We've been big fans of the compact, like the Military Impact of Schools Association and the National Military Families Association, Department of Defense Education Activity, and the DOD State Liaisons. We've had high hopes ever since the first conversations were started. My gosh, I think that's been 12 years ago now. And we're really pleased to see it working so well, and we thank you for taking the job and really bringing an educator's point of view to the compact, uh, along with working with 50 commissioners who have just very good will toward military families. And I, it just seems to me every time I see the whole group working together that uh, they're really concerned about uh, military kids and doing absolutely the best things they can to make sure that these kids are successful uh, and they end up 
graduating and going on to do wonderful things to make our country better. Thanks, Dave. And I want to thank you and Dr. Mary Keller for all your support, because without organizations like you helping to um, support our commission, there's no way we can do the work we do. You know, it's a, it's a commu- community effort, um, and every person that helps us with this initiative at the end of the day is part of the success for all of our kids. So I thank you for that opportunity to talk today and also to be able to work together in partnership with MSEC. We appreciate all everything you do for the commission and, and our commissioners. So thank you. Thank you, Sharice. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you both for coming on our podcast today and telling us a little bit more about the Interstate Compact for Military Children. For those of you who aren't aware, we do have a website, www.militarychild.org, and we have free online training webinars. And we have one called the Interstate Compact for Military Children webinar, MIC3. And to access it, just go to the Parents tab, click on Webinars once you get there, and you'll see that title listed. If you want a little bit more information on the Interstate Compact, that's a great way to start. And be on the lookout because in the spring, we're going to have a new webinar that we're going to partner with the Interstate Compact Commission and offer a brand new webinar on the Interstate Compact in the spring. So be on the lookout for that. Also know next week, we are going to be talking to Tutor.com and we're going to talk about homework. We're going to talk about all the different features that Tutor.com has for military families. So be sure to join us back next week for our podcast. Have an excellent week, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.